Hey, 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 what is going on, Cube fam? Hope you guys are doing well. Back with an episode here. We're doing a cube and A, so this is a play on words. It's question and answer. I fielded about 10 popular questions I get from different avenues, whether it be Cube, Instagram, emails, or even the group chat. So I'm going to run through the 10 questions, going to try and keep it as lean as I can, get straight to the point. So with that being said, first question, Cube, what industries are you looking at long term? Okay, great question. So without doing a disservice to the current Cube subscribers, what I will say is I'm looking at robotics, looking at 3D printing, artificial intelligence, uh, up-and-coming software companies, looking at geospatial intelligence, space, and a plethora of other industries. With that being said, you have to be very, very careful here, all right, because there are a ton of uh, companies that have hit the markets, whether it be a direct listing, a SPAC, a traditional IPO, in many of these industries that I'm talking about. And while all a rising tide lifts all boats, I do think there's going to be significant contrast between winners and losers. So that is where I would keep your attention, but really dive deep into each individual com- company because they are approaching these industries in different ways. And some of them, I don't believe, are going to come out winners. So pay close attention, but those are a few of the industries that I'm looking at. There's a plethora that I do have in mind. And for me personally, I'm looking at at least a three to five-year five, uh, five year horizon on all of them. So if you are looking at these industries, they really aren't for a quick pump and dump. Uh, you know, like an example is the electric vehicle industry. Let's be real here. Um, we're not going to have 30 to 40 different manufacturers you know, on the road five to 10 years from now. It's just not how it's going to be. It's the market's big, but it's not that big to, to profitably, uh, hold up all those companies. So be careful, take valuations into concern. There's some pockets that are very bubbly and we'll talk about that in a, in a future question. I think that was a question number nine or something like that. Um, so hope that helps. Number two, I've been invested in Arc K this year. Not really happy with the performance. What should I do? Okay, so I understand your frustration, right? Arc K is down 5% year to date, um, cooling off big time. But keep in mind, it's up well over 100% the last four or five years. And, um, you know, she can't, Kathy Woods being she, can't really... Um, perform every single year at that caliber. Her goal is to average 20 to 30% annual returns. Um, With that being said, let's just take a small little deep dive into what exactly is in her portfolio. So obviously Tesla's at the top of the list, right? 10.5% weight, mainly made up of gains. Um, Then you have Teladoc, Coinbase, Unity Software, Roku, Zoom Video Communications, Spotify, Shopify, UiPath, and Square. Um, I look, Tesla's fine. I don't think you're getting 20 to 30% gains out of Tesla anymore annually. I just don't think that's going to happen to meet her, her threshold. Uh, Teladoc, I think can make a comeback. It's going to be a little while before it does. That saw a huge boost during the pandemic merged with Livongo and has since seen a significant and drastic repricing in their shares. That's going to take a little while, but I still do think it's a long-term winner as I feel the same with, with Coinbase as I do with Unity. Unity on this recent metaverse hype run I think needs to pull back near term, but it's probably going to continue its way higher. Valuation's a little stretched, but they are the king of the space. And with, if, if the metaverse does become a thing that's beyond the niche, uh, they will be a big winner in that space. Roku, I like, especially on this dip. Zoom, I have no idea why she owns this company. I think it caught a huge bounce during the pandemic. has been kind of crap as of late. Um, I don't know if it ever sees previous highs, so I'm not a fan crowded area. Um, Look, great service, but 
not sure if uh, if I like it going forward here. Spotify margins are too thin, and I think there's going to be a heightened focus in the next couple of years on profitability and free cash flow as user growth starts to taper. So I'm not a fan of the model there. Extreme competition from from Apple and other players. So I, I'm not I'm not too bullish on Spotify. Shopify. Not to be mistaken there. I like them. They're still fine. Still the kings of their space. UiPath needs to work into its valuation a little bit. Still a little stretched, but on this pullback, I do like it. Um, so long term, I do like UiPath. Uh, Square, I of course, staple like that. Twilio's fine too at number 11. She has some genomics companies uh, that I like long term. That's another, back to question number one, that's definitely a space that's going to win. But if you don't choose carefully... Uh, you could be left with the laggard. Uh, Palantir, I like. Good earnings. Solid. One thing I will say is uh, Zillow used to be a top 10 holding here, maybe even top 5 at one point. She looks to have disposed of that, at least drastically, because I'm looking at the top 26 holdings, and it's not here. Let me keep scrolling. Uh, Zillow, Zillow. Zillow has fallen from the top 5 or 10 to number 41 with a 0.3% weight. She has drastically reduced this position as of November 12th. Drastically. And I'm happy to see that because um, when you look at an active manager's ETF, right, you don't want to see them get complacent or hard-headed and keep buying into a dip that rightfully deserves to be down you know zillow has been having some serious internal issues and and if and even if you say oh well um you know them getting out of the home flipping business is a good idea um it still speaks of two things right either they see a crack in the housing market or two they couldn't execute accordingly so either way i think it's a bad bad situation and it's good to see that kathy isn't just continually buying the dips the way she has and maybe some other companies in the past so good to see that. I think if I had to rate this portfolio right now, RK as it stands today, I don't think it can give 20 to 30% annual returns to the rest of this decade. I'll say that, um, but I will give it like a B. I think it's a B. That's where I'll rate that. So I would give Kathy a little more time here. I do own one of her ETFs. RK is not one of them. Um, but yeah, I'd say a solid B is fair here. I would like to see her do away with Zoom and Spotify and maybe trim up trim some unity here i think she actually did um last week and maybe look to put those proceeds elsewhere to to help long term with this portfolio so i hope that helps um how do you stay focused on the long game like do you get involved with any pump and dumps no no and and a lot of that reason is because i just have full utmost conviction in my long-term positions and just to make this answer really really simple when everyone was chasing pump and dumps, right, and specifically Ethereum, right, they were chasing, uh, you know, when it ripped, especially back, you know, last year, they would rip it for like 10% and get out. And then they would rip it for 15% and get out. Some days they rip 30% and get out. Um, I've been here holding long term since 335. And I've made more money than all of them without an ounce of, of effort, okay, compared to them. And that's essentially what my winning strategy is, and I'm not going to uh, divert from that path that's done so well for me over the years. So, no, no, I, I don't get caught up in the in the day-to-day pump and dump, what's ripping, what's got high volume. I, I don't care for much of that. I stick to what I believe in, what my models say is undervalued, hold long-term, and that's why I found dozens of companies that have multiplied um, over the years. So, 
I stay focused on a long game and it's easy for me because it's worked so well and I'm going to keep I'm going to keep at it. So uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's how I'm looking at this. What are your thoughts on inflation? That's question number four. So the reading was a, a little high, I'd say, a bit high. Um, uh, the recent report got, we got over 6% annual inflation. Um, that was a little higher than I thought. I'm looking at the the Baltic index, so, uh, which is pretty much what the cost of, of shipping is. Um, and... It looks to be indicating, I made an Instagram post about this, it looks to be indicating that inflation might be peaking. It's only one, you know, you look at gas pricing uh, at, at your nearby corner, that's not the case yet. Um, but I, I still do think this is going to come down next year, and I also do believe it's still uh, primarily driven by supply chain constraints. I will say that I am happy that the Fed is beginning to taper. I think this is overdue. I think it could have happened even a few months ago. So I'm happy it's happening now because the economy is not in any more any is not in any need of additional stimulus. There's nothing Jerome Powell can do that's going to fix the the issues at the ports, the congestion at the ports, okay? Buying more treasuries and more mortgage-backed securities has nothing to do with how well we could get your shippers in and out okay and ease a lot of these supply chain constraints so at least at the at a minimum reduce the amount of money that's being pumped into the market and let the supply chain side fix itself because at its core guys inflation is too much money chasing too few of goods we definitely took care of the too much money part let's work on supply chain and this also includes uh increasing uh you know headcount at many firms okay labor shortage is a serious issue right now too on top of what's going on at at shipping docks and whatnot so we need to see that ease and i believe the inflation numbers will naturally come down but at least we're seeing jerome powell do what he needs to do and pull back bravo to him should have been done sooner happy to see it happen so inflation i expect this i did expect it by now to begin to, to fall it's lasting a little longer than I thought, admittedly, but I still do think it begins to taper in 2022, and I am positioning my portfolio accordingly. So I hope that helps with your question. Uh, well, what are your thoughts on 2022? Uh, right, right into it. So I think it's going to be what I believe 2022 is going to be. I believe it's going to be pretty consistent for the rest of the decade. I see lower returns. I think a lot of the fun, easy money is is gone. And this year has been a pretty pivotal year for, for the Cube Folio as I look at less popular investments and I start to look smaller cap as well um, in, a, in a means of diversifying their portfolio and going where I believe the puck is going to go. I think there's a lot of names out there in the market that have just been pushed so high and so far and valuation stretching 70, 80, 90 times sales. I think they're going to have tough year-over-year comps. It's going to make it a little tough. We're starting to see some of that crack on some names as they report now um, for their Q3 results. I think we're going to see something along the lines there next year. And I think people are going to start looking under more rocks, seeing for, for new investments where, where there's value and, and there's uh, properly priced growth. So I'm still bullish on the markets, but I don't think we're going to be seeing 20% plus returns Um for a little while. I don't think that's going to be the average return um, for the rest of the decade here. You know, I think we're going to be going back to single digit returns. A couple of these years that we're going to look at for the rest of the decade might even be negative, but I am moving into high growth industries at proper pricing that while are out of favor right now, 
I believe after a few more quarters, uh, even starting with this quarter, we'll start to gain a little bit of attention and and see that growth for the rest of the decade. So that's how I'm positioning myself. I took some profits on a lot of names that I just think have run really hard, and it's now time to refocus. Could I have timed it better? Absolutely. I should have waited about a good four to six months. Fortunately, did not do that. Um, but that's all part of the game. It's all about where we're going now going forward, and I'm pretty comfortable um, with owning names that aren't being pumped in the media nonstop, aren't absolutely adored and pushed to valuations that just don't make sense anymore. Um, you know, it's it's unfortunate too because a lot of these companies I like them, but it's it's not something I can chase and be the last one going through the door on. So, um, still bullish on the markets, but definitely start to taper your expectations with regards to annual returns in the S and P and and things like that, and start to look at alternative investments. Um, I think that's a lot of the reason, uh, like companies like Blackstone and KKR and Carlisle are seeing insane AUM growth is because people are starting to look for yield and alternative investments. And I think with the recent flooding of, of companies in the market, there are unique opportunities out there that people are going to start to fit, focus in on and hone in on uh, for the years to come. So that's where I am. I am looking. I'll be doing a, if you're a subscriber, especially I'll be doing my usual annual report in a couple of months. So uh, keep a lookout for that. What do we got next? Uh, how do you think Powell handled the environment? I think Jerome Powell did a great job. And aside from what Elizabeth Warren thinks, calling him a dangerous man, I think he's done a phenomenal job handling uh, the pandemic. Uh, he's done. He's he's pretty much done everything he said he was going to do. There was nothing really surprising about what he did. He he prepped the markets right. As we near this taper, look how well the markets responding to the taper. I mean, this is great, and it's because he prepared us for it. And I think he's doing a, a good job on the timing here. Um, he had to deal with a bunch of stuff that came through. He's got to deal with an administration that's still working on a lot of things on their end. You got the Delta variant. You got the rollout of the vaccines. I mean, this has been a very tough uh, environment for him to navigate. And I, I do think he's done a good job. And now I do think it's right for him to start tapering and increasing rates. It is time. So I am on board. I'm a fan of Powell. Uh, I even think he could have done, like I said, could have even tapered sooner. But there was a few weak jobs reports in there that kind of held him off. Um, has he has he and the whole crew underestimated inflation a little bit? Yeah, I think so. Um, but I think that's because of the supply chain constraints. I don't think they expected them to last as long. So if I have to give, just the way I gave Kathy a grading, I'm going to go ahead and give Powell a B plus. actually. I think he's done a pretty dang good job. I'd like to see him stay as the Fed uh, chair. Um and yeah, I, I'm on board with Powell. I, I like him. I think he's done a great job. What's next? Um, how, what do you make of the crypto market? Uh, yeah, so look, enjoy a lot of these like altcoins going through the roof. Have fun with them. Just don't marry them. I'll keep this one very simple. Just don't marry them. I'm still long my ether. I'm still long the, the big boys. Uh, but I would not be marrying uh, these altcoins. Have fun with them. Trade them if you want. Make your gains. A lot of them are popping off for 100, 200%, you know, daily. Can't blame you if you're getting involved, but we all know how this ends. And I think everyone's on board with this. I think we all know. I, there's nothing I'm going to say here that's going to be revolutionary. Obviously, the market's not going to be, you know, taking all these altcoins to the moon and keeping those valuations there for extended periods of time. But they're all pump and dumps. Enjoy it while it lasts. Make your money. Don't get greedy. 
take those proceeds, put them in solid companies that you can, you know, exponentially make your money on. I think that's what you should do. So if you got like a hundred bucks, 200 bucks, if a thousand, not too much to you, have fun with it, make your money, boom, triple it, like sell it, get it into some serious stocks that you can now, uh, multiply your money on there. I think that's the best way to do it. So that's my take on crypto. The, the Ethereum's, the Bitcoins, I'm not budging. I'm, I'm staying put and, and that's it. That's pretty much it. But as far as, you know, your Shibas and your Dogecoins and all that stuff, look, have fun with it, trade it, move on. Uh, thoughts on Rivian. Look, guys, cool company, cool truck. Very simple here. Over $100 billion valuation. I tried getting some shares to short at 119 was unable to. Um, but and I'll keep trying. I, this is not sustainable. It's not sustainable. Uh, worth more than Ford, worth more than GM. Look, Tesla's a very unique instance at a trillion dollar market cap. But come on, let, let's be real here. Uh, I like Rivian. They're going to be a they're going to be a pickup player. Uh, I'm not denying that, but this is one of those situations where, the, where Bezos says it all the time. The company is not the stock, and the stock is not the company. And this is just a, an insane mispricing going on right now. Uh, yes, they have order bo- order book from, and a nice one too, from Amazon and other companies, but uh, this one's got you know bubble written on it. You can put me there. It's going to take a little while for it to pop, but I think when it's all said and done, it'll come back down to earth. It's just, there's no way, shape, or form you could justify this valuation. Uh, so I just think it's short-term going to be probably hanging around here for a little while. But long-term, I think the curtain gets pulled back. Um, and it goes back to where it should be, which is way lower than this. Way lower. There, there's no way you could justify this valuation. It, even if you look at them taking the route of maybe a tesla and going into autonomy and going into electric grid and and other avenues i still don't see how this is this keeps its valuation obviously something's got to give if you add up the valuations of all these electric vehicle players it's it's way more than the the mark the future market and and i I love the electric vehicle industry but uh as i said individual stocks you got to be very careful this is one of them you know Use the volatility if you want to your advantage, just the way I was talking about with those altcoins. And I, I love the truck. I might be a potential customer for all I know. But a $100 billion valuation, man, you are you're kidding me. You are kidding me. That's just, it's grotesque. It's crazy. Um, so yeah, be careful. Uh, what else we got here? Uh, do I like airliners here? No, no, I don't. Even with the reopening of the economy, I don't. The, the balance sheets are too bloated. Uh, I don't see a clear path to them getting uh, back to those buybacks, back to those uh, dividends that they were once at. They're going to be a lot more careful this time with their capital. Uh, you know, they were spending upwards like 99% of their free cash flow on dividends and buybacks, you know, before the pandemic. And they left themselves no cushion. So I think with new management on board on, on some of these companies and and the amount of debt they have in their balance sheets. If you look at enterprise value, which takes into account the net debt, they're trying to kind of trading valuations close to where they were pre-pandemic. So I don't see much upside because if you look at a lot of these airliners before the pandemic, they really couldn't break all-time highs. So the fact that numbers are still below 2019 and the debt is so much higher, I just don't see um, much upside in airliners. I'm, I'm so to to be very 
upfront and blunt. Don't like the airliners here. You know, just as a side note, guys, like I listen to some podcasts and I listen to some people on, on Instagram and a lot of them don't really give direct answers. And I hope you guys appreciate that I am. I have no problem putting my uh, foot forward and saying how I feel. Maybe you come back to this podcast in a year and Rivian's at a $200 billion valuation. I'll throw my hat in there and say, listen, I was wrong. I was wrong. Um, but I want to be actionable. I want to be direct. I don't want to go on for, you know how some people can talk for like 10 minutes and not say anything? Yeah, I don't want that. I don't want that. So uh, I'm just being straightforward with you. I don't like airliners here. And uh, the last question was about Robinhood as an investment. I think the the rollout is interesting of the, the crypto wallets. I think that could be a short-term boost to their share price. But valuation-wise, I don't like it. Um, I don't see a clear path to free cash flow or, you know, positive earnings. And, you know, their last earnings call was brutal. I'm not, I have no trust in management. And I I, I have an account with, with Robinhood. Uh, it's great. But if anyone just replicates their UI UX, I'd probably leave, you know, and it's not my main account. It's my side account. My main account's with Schwab. But if anyone developed a UI UX that was kind of similar to Robinhood, I would leave. Um, I, I really like it. It's very user-friendly. Um, and I think what I've seen, especially working with subscribers, uh, once they, they usually start with Robinhood, Robinhood does a great job and I'm thankful for them because it's, it's led to a boost in my business too. It's done a great job lowering the barriers to entry for investments. Um, so their, their clientele tends to be a lot younger than the traditional players. And I'm thankful for that. But what I have noticed is that when a subscriber from three years ago just started with investing and he joined Cube, um, they're starting to ask me now, like, hey, Bez, you know, I've grown this, this money to be pretty good, you know, grown it in the market, grown it by putting more money in it. I'm ready to move on from Robinhood. That's an issue because essentially what they need to do, Robinhood's success will come from building up their clientele, all right, um, so that way they can offer them investment services and things like that in the future. But if all they're being used for is an entry into the market and then the funds are leaving to go to the big guys, that's not a winning strategy. So yes, the crypto wallet's important, but Coinbase is killing it right now. It's a lot of competition. So I see dilution. I, I see debt offerings in the future. Uh, I just, the, and, and the valuation's already kind of a stretch, uh, especially when you compare it to Coinbase, who is profitable, who is uh, capitalizing uh, on the, the crypto market, is has a lot more trust. That's for sure, you know, I still think Robinhood starts, you know, has a, a brand issue that they're still trying to overcome with regards to trust and and whatnot. So uh, don't like Robinhood as an investment either. I'm very, very picky when it comes to investments. Like my subscribers know about that. When I finally pulled the trigger, hours and hours of research have gone into it. Models have gone into it. There's, at the end of the day, I need to see a, a path. You don't have to be cash flow positive today. I'm not one of those guys, but there needs to be a path there, whether I see healthy gross margins or some kind of operating leverage. So um, with that being said, guys, I hope you found a lot of value uh, in this Q&A. Please keep the questions coming because if, if I had to pick a style of podcasting that I love more than any, it's this one because I get to touch on such a broad range of topics while also answering your specific questions. So guys, thank you all for joining. Hope you found value in this podcast. We'll